2: Hey everybody,
0: welcome back to Bucketheads. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with my lovely co-host Justin Golba for episode 80 of our College Hoops Podcast. We have another guest on this week as we talk to the host of the Inside CBT Podcast, Mr. Andrew Zolden. This week about the basketball tournament, which starts on Wednesday afternoon on ESPN Plus. We talked to him about uh, the reigning champs, Blue Collar U, which is the Buffalo alumni team. Of course, we got into some Carmen Screw talk, um, but not all of it was Ohio State based. We did talk a lot about just TBT teams in general, Justin. Um, as you could speak on the, we kind of talked about the difference of you know throwing a bunch of talented guys together that don't know each other versus uh, some of the alumni teams that we love to watch. That you know, have guys that played on the same team at the same time. So we kind of got into the um, the bits and pieces of the TBT teams and what makes a good TBT team with, uh, with Andrew.
1: Yeah, I think he always has some good insight too because he's one of those people that are, he's boots on the ground. He's always watching them and um, he, he's at these tournaments kind of watching. You can always get a good gauge of things from, from watching on TV, but you get a better feel of teams and especially their chemistry and how they react to each other when you're, when you're actually there and on the sidelines like he is. So it's always good insight to, to have someone like that on.
0: And we'll get to Andrew here shortly um, as we talked to him a few days ago, so we'll get to that interview. But before we do that, not a whole lot of information or, or new stuff about um, Ohio State basketball right now. There is a few recruiting things here and there. Um, the 2024 class is going to be a a, a very small class for Ohio State. Um, They've got uh, a guard in that class, Junie Mobley, John Mobley Jr. I don't know what they're going to call him when he gets to college. I think Junie is his nickname, but real name is John Mobley Jr. His recruiting ranking has skyrocketed. He's up to the number 39 player in the class. He's been committed for a while, but uh, there probably is space for at least one more player, Justin, and they're probably going to go – was a big guy either a true center or like a, a bigger power forward kind of guy for that second spot
1: yeah the big name uh is Aiden Sherrill that everybody's kind of been looking at I know he just he came off a big uh I don't know if it was Peach Jam I don't think he was at Peach Jam no he was at Peach Jam I think he had a really good Peach Jam one of the tournaments this this summer and um alongside Junie Mobley I Junie was there as well and was one of the the standouts of the whole tournament. So. It's always nice to see those guys. Junie's been one of those guys that, ever since he signed with Ohio State, he's just—or not signed, but committed to Ohio State—he's just gone up and up and up the everybody's boards, and people keep calling him the best shooter in high school basketball. So it'll be cool to get that guy back on campus and kind of a another knockdown shooter that they can kind of rely on. And um, yeah, I mean, we did the math before we started. We started this recording. This, you know, they have probably only two spots for recruits in 2024 so there's a lot of really good players Amir Ali is one that was kind of trending earlier this year I haven't heard too much he's more of like a wing kind of player Uh, Jalen Shelley just released his top eight Ohio State's on there and then you have Jaden Quantens who is a top 10 player in the 2024 class now he was a 2025 player but he just reclassified so and he's he listed Ohio State as one of the top schools recruiting him so I don't know if if him reclassifying is good or bad for Ohio State, they'll have more scholarships probably in twenty twenty five to give than twenty four. But if you do, if you are able to get Quantens or even Cheryl as your second option, that's a really really strong recruiting class for only two players.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you said, we're we're kind of counting, and although. You know, the, the, the narrative you got a lot from, like, Chris Holtman and the coaching staff the last year, not, not two years ago, but last year was, you know, oh, we're, we're a young team, we're a young team. Last year's team wasn't young in the fact that, like, all of the players were young, but it was young in the fact that, like, basically all of their young players were playing very key roles. So there were a lot of upperclassmen on the team last year, but not all the upperclassmen were playing, like, Prominent minutes. It was the freshmen who were playing prominent minutes. Now you're going to hear a lot of, of that this year too, because they're going to say again, "Well, we're we're still a really young team," but I, I think it'll be different, th- kind, a different kind of young, because they will still be a young team. But those guys that were freshmen last year will now be sophomore starters. Um, but a, a consequence of that is going to be you don't have space to add players a year from now. You know they're going to lose Dale Bonner, they're going to lose Jamison Battle. And the other 11 guys could all come back and you already have Junie Mobley slotted into the 12th scholarship. So, um, as of right now, um, Ohio state basically has one spot left for all of their transfers and additional 2024 recruits. Um, which I think you and I and anybody listening knows that's probably not how it's going to shake out. They'll probably lose at least one guy to a transfer. And I think that's probably what the coaching staff figures as well. So my guess is they'll take another 2024 guy and that will fill out their roster technically. And then I bet they take like one transfer, but they're not going to have the space next summer to like wheel and deal and add guys that they've had the last few years, because basically the entire roster can come back next year.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you hit on, you hit on kind of the interesting part about this team of they're young, but they're, way more experienced. You know, you have sophomores like Bruce Thornton who, yes, he's still only a sophomore, but he started every game last season. Akpar got good minutes. Gale got, got better minutes towards the back end of the season, but still got good minutes throughout the season. So you're kind of in that space of they're young, but they're still somewhat experienced, which is kind of a nice
0: kind of in-between to have. Um, I think I think they're young, but I, I don't think that – we're young is going to be able to be used as an excuse this season. And I I don't think that the fans will buy it, but I also don't think the coaches. I don't think they'll use it. I don't, yeah, right. I don't think the coaching staff will probably play that excuse too much either this year, because if they don't want the freshmen, this year's freshmen, the 2023 freshmen, if they don't want them playing prominent roles, if they don't want them starting, they don't have to. Like last year, they kind of had to lean on Bruce Thornton to play 30 minutes a game. Like, if they don't want Taysom Chapman playing 30 minutes, or if they don't want Devin Royal playing 25 minutes a game, they don't have to this season. Like, they have sophomores who are a little more seasoned. That's the reason you brought in Dale Bonner, the reason you brought in Jameson Battle. So, like, I don't think the coaches will use the weird young excuse, even though they'll have young guys, because they have guys with experience that they can lean on. And nor do I think fans would would, would would buy that this year after hearing it for a whole year.
1: And I think the benefit is also last year, like when Bruce Thornton went through his kind of tough spell in January, you kind of had to let him work through it because you really didn't have any other options. If you're starting a Scotty Middleton or something and they do have a tough stretch, you can sit them. You do have a little more depth this year to kind of maybe play Evan Mahaffey more or you play, you know, whoever more minutes. So you obviously don't want to completely bench them just because they're struggling. You got to let them work through that. But you have a little more leeway to, you know, I I think we saw it when remember when Zed Key was a freshman, every single time he made any small mistake, he got pulled and Chris Holman immediately started coaching him up on the bench. That was like, that became like a thing so that you have a little more freedom to do that now than I think they did last year, which is, you know, makes games easier to win. I don't think it's a secret that, yes, they stunk last year when you're 19 and 16, but they were missing pretty much just, in my opinion, like if Malachi Branham was on that team, oh, flip, flip, I think they're six.
0: Flip that, unfortunately, 16 and 19. Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's flipped. Carry, carry on.
1: Carry on. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, if like Malachi Branham was on that team, I think they're a sixth seed in the tournament. I truly believe they were missing just like one piece on that team of really talent that be just because they had so many freshmen and so many new pieces, they had to kind of wheel and deal. And when it just wasn't quite working, they didn't really have another place to go. And that was just this year they do. And I think that's where this is a little bit, this is where the the experience gets a little bit um, easier to kind of justify with, you know, you have sophomores, you have. I think just last year they had to rely on the freshmen so heavily and they played well for the most part. I mean, it's not like, yeah, you
0: had to lean on, you had to lean on Bruce. I'm sure, not, I'm sure. Like I know because Holman said it so many times, like I don't want to play a freshman 30, 35 minutes a game, but sometimes right. you had to. And then at the end of the season, when you know, Zed key was totally shut down. Like he couldn't play anymore. You had no choice basically, but to play Felix Akpara, if he could stay out of foul trouble, 30 minutes a game, because you didn't have another center on the roster. And, Going up against guys like Hunter Dickinson and Zach Eady and stuff down the stretch, um, even like Maryland when it wasn't necessarily a size disadvantage, but just um, Julian Reese, I believe is who I'm thinking of. Just He's just as big as Felix, but a little bit thicker and a little bit more athletic. Um, you had no choice. It was just hope that Felix can survive out there. And if they absolutely take advantage of Felix, you know, freshman Felix like Parra, you you probably lose the game. That, that's how they were young they had to lean on those freshmen and if it failed you just lose the game. This year I think that you know they, they don't have to be in that spot. As long as Zed Key comes back and can play at least 20 minutes a game, you know, you've got Zed Key at center, you've got Felix at center, in an absolute emergency, you have Austin Parks who a lot of people aren't super high on him quite yet, but like in an emergency situation, you have Austin Parks who's, you know, 6'10" 230 he can, you, he've got, he's got fouls to give. He can hold his own out there if need be. They're not going to have to lean on an Austin Parks like they had to lean on Felix Hakparo last year.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you even look at, like, Purdue with their two freshmen and as well as they played all year, we were all kind of like, okay, can they keep this up all season? And they didn't. You know, they struggled throughout the, at the end. So it's just hard for freshmen to be in that position and just start from day one. I think it should, goes to show just how good Bruce Thornton actually is. That he really only struggled for like a, it was like a five game stretch, six game stretch in January, I would say, which is the toughest part of the season for a lot of these guys because it's right when conference play starts. So, no, no problems yeah. for me. I think this. I is, mean, and know. then like you said, it's nice. It's I like when they have you know back to the recruiting thing. I like when we have like four or five guys coming in because it's exciting to see how they're good they are. But it's also exciting when you only have a two person class because it means you're actually bringing some people back. So um, that would be cool.
0: I mean, that's your ideal, you know, pre-transfer portal, pre-all this, uh, pre-global pandemic and transfer portal. Like that is the ideal situation as you want it. Is like you wanted to be able to look at next year's roster and be like, "Cool, we bring everybody back." Because in college, even if your team wasn't great, just by bringing everybody back, everybody's going to expect you to take a step forward. So um, it'll it'll just be different. That's the first year I think since. I, I honestly would have to think back until like the last couple of thad years. I, it'll be the first time that you basically will say, okay, there's really not going to be knock on wood, not much roster change or turnover in this team. Um, even the guys like Bowen Hardman and Kalen Atzler, like they could have bolted if they wanted to ha- get more playing time. They probably should have bolted, but you know, if they didn't leave last season, there's no reason to think that they're for sure going to leave next season. You'll have Zed Key, who I believe will still have the COVID year, so he could come back for a fifth season. Will he, yeah, he use two, it? He has two more years. Yep. He has two. Well, yeah, this season and then a, a next. Right. Season. Yeah. 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 Um, like, would he come back for a fifth year? I don't know, but like until I'm told otherwise, until we're told otherwise. Count when you're doing the numbers. I'm. We should go ahead and assume that everybody that could come back will come back until told otherwise. So you only have one spot for another recruit. Um, so I guess we'll see what happens with that last spot. That Aiden Cheryl, he plays uh, AAU with with Junie, like it's his teammate. I'm sure Junie is um, <laughs> trying to get him to to jump on board. Um, that Jaden Quaintance, that's a 2025 that re- reclassified down to 2024. He is the number nine player in that class. The number one center in the country.
1: Is that updated to twenty twenty four? Though that's what I was curious no, about. I he's looked. the
0: number the number nine player in the twenty twenty five class. The number okay. one center in the twenty twenty five class.
1: Okay, I was. I am curious how that tra- how that affect. Like, I am assuming since he reclassified, they'll re- they'll like put him in the twenty twenty four rankings. I am curious where he falls in. Right.
0: And what's also um It we'll, probably we'll won't speak, be much different, but we'll we'll scoot this along because we have to get to the interview. But I, I also think it'll be something to keep an eye on as if Ohio State, do they do they want to add another true center or do they want to add more of a forward? Because like like we yeah. just talked about, next season you could potentially have Zed Key, Felix Akpara, and Austin Parks all on the roster. I would say when it comes to adding talent, if you have the opportunity to add a top ten player in the country, you just, just do it. you bring in the talent. You let it shake out how it's going to be. If one of your other three centers decides they need to go elsewhere to find playing time, you do it. Um, That's for a top 10 talent, though. Um, I feel like the need, positional need, going into a year from now probably is more at the small forward, power forward spots because you can return all three centers. So adding, um, like, excuse me, adding Jalen Shelley, um, who's a guy that just, he's a 2024. Uh, small forward, he's 6'8", 180 pounds out of Branson, Missouri. Link Academy is where Felix Agparo finished his high school career. Um, positionally, he makes more sense for what they would need a year from now. But if you have the opportunity to add a, like a potential one and done, a top 10 player in the class at center that could be an impact guy for one year, I kind of think you just do it. If he says, I want to go, I think you just do it and you let your other three centers figure it out.
1: Yeah, I agree. You're, it's like drafting at this point. You have to just draft the. You don't draft for fit. You draft the best player on the board, and then you figure it out later. Um, if they're that talented, then you make it yeah, work. Yeah,
0: I think there's a certain point of talent. Like if it's like a top fifty center, I would say uh, maybe you take the the, the the power forward instead or the small forward because that's what you need. But if you're getting like a dude that's like top ten in the country, well, like you said though, we'll see. Like when twenty four seven arrivals, they'll slide acquaintance into the twenty twenty-four class and we'll see if he's still like number nine or if he drops or rises. But if he stays right around there, man, you I think you just have to add him and then you tell Zed Key, Felix like Par and Austin Parks, like, you guys can stay, you guys can go, but like this guy's gonna get a bunch of minutes now. It's your decision to you know, whatever you wanna do is whatever you want to do. But you know, he's gonna be eating some of these minutes now because it's that good.
1: Yeah. And however you – I would just do whatever you got to do in whatever capacity possible to just make sure in 2025 you get Darren Peterson. I do think this helps their 2025 recruiting because this takes a recruit off the board basically because 2025 is getting not only incredibly talented but incredibly kind of packed in with Peterson, with Jerry Easter, with Con is 2025, right? Or is he 2024? Uh, I would have to look. Hold on. He's going to Wisconsin anyway, so it doesn't matter. But – um there's a lot of 2025 there's a lot of talent in that 2025 class he's
0: 2024
1: okay there's a lot of talent in that 2025 class and it's a lot of Ohio talent so you got to
2: kind of
0: yeah this is the best Ohio probably the best Ohio class since Chris Holtman's been the coach oh easily we could do a whole another episode just on this on like the whole like it's like Darren Peterson like do Darren Peterson and Jerry Easter do they even finish their high school careers in Ohio in two years I don't know Darren Peterson plays 10 minutes from where I live. Like, it's kind of
1: actually crazy to think of the talent that's
0: there. All right, so so there's literally no reason that, A, you're not at his games this season to let us know how it's going, <laughs> and, B, you don't talk to him and get him on the pod. Anyway, um, it yeah, is super so – Both can easily happen. So That'll be super intriguing in the fall because you have, like, the uh, – they're in your backyard, so you – you know, they'll say like, dude, they're right in your backyard, Chris. You you can't lose these guys when you're in your backyard. But when the Kentuckys and the Dukes and the North Carolinas and now all of a sudden like the USCs some of these programs that aren't blue bloods but have the cash, when they start calling, it'll be like How much is playing in your home state for like Darren Peterson, how much is that really important to you to go to Ohio State versus going to literally any of these blue bloods?
1: Well oh, and the, that's that's being
0: that's, close only matters to a point.
1: And that's why it's going to be so interesting to see. Obviously, Darren Peterson will not finish as the number one ranked recruit in the 2025 class because Cooper Flagg is there. But right now, according to 247, it's Cameron Boozer, Cooper Flagg, and Darren Peterson. That's the top three. So it'd be interesting to see. And that's why it's so important. Like, remember, 2025, you would still have, if they don't go to the NBA or transfer, Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Tayson Chapman. You'd still have Felix Akpar, Scotty Middleton. Devin Royal, you throw in Junie Mobley and whoever they get in this 2024 class and then maybe a Darren Peterson, that's a a national championship team. I don't think that's incredible. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. You'd have senior guards that at this point were incredibly talented and veteran. You'd have a nice stock of kind of centers and power forwards that you can rotate from, and you'd have your star, top national one-and-done freshman. I mean, that's just kind of like the recipe. So I, it'd be very interesting to see kind of how these – there's a world in the next three years Ohio State kind of gets back to the top power kind of thing if they don't just lose players. So we'll see. I, it, that's why I think the 2022 class was so important to really nail down and make sure they're all – I mean, Adam Jardy already said it. Like, Bruce Thorne and Roddy Gale have already kind of stepped up as, like, the captains on this team and they're sophomores. So seems like they're pretty committed to Columbus, and that's the biggest thing is just get these guys to be committed and stay. and. You can really start to, there's a, with the high, with the crop, because that's been something we've kind of said, right? Is yes, that mod is an incredible coach. Nobody's ever going to take that away from him. The top 15 coach, like in my generation, for sure. But the crop of talent that he was able to pick from in in Yeah, it was Kraft, Sullinger, Buford, Diebler, Lighty. All those dudes were Ohio guys. Even Odin and Conley weren't in Ohio, but they were Indiana. Like they were right, right there. That Chris Holman hasn't necessarily had that. He's gotten some of the best Ohio talent, obviously namely Malachi Branham. But now that the Ohio talent is starting to get back up to that top level, that's where I think this team can really start to because look, are there criticisms with Chris Holtman so far in his tenure? Absolutely. Is recruiting one of them? No. <laughs> so I think I think that's the good part.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, they've got the roster kind of right in a spot right now where, you know, if you're not one of those top powers, um, one of the blue bloods, the Kentuckys The Dukes, the Carolinas, ironically enough, as far as turning players over year after year, Michigan has done that for the last four or five years as they're getting one and dones and turning them over. They just haven't been very good despite that. Um, If you're not turning one and dones over, if you're not going to be winning games and dominating by pulling all the five stars, what you want to do is have a steady returning group every single year. So if you can, and that's what they're going to be doing going into next year, potentially, if you can return basically the biggest chunk of your scoring, and then you add a four-star and a five-star, or you add a pair of four-stars, you don't lose the production. You retain the production. When those guys age out, your high four-stars that were like your fifth or sixth guy, off, not off the bench, but like maybe starting or first guy off the bench, they step into the next role. They take the EJ Liddell path. That's how you become a consistent, strong program. And I think that you know this will be a telling year because they could return eleven of those thirteen guys. You tack in a couple high-end recruits, and you just keep churning it. You just keep moving.
1: And that's where it's important. And I don't. Again, I don't think this is going to be a concern. I don't see this team missing the tournament or anything. But this is where it is an important year to get back on that train of winning because guys want to win. If Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale go through another year of sixteen, nineteen or whatever, they might be like, you know what? Eh, never mind. So that's where it's kind of like they might not, you know, they they got they they got the dog in them. So I think they just want to get this program back to where it belongs. But I think that's something that's where this this season to me is a very important one in terms of the recruiting's on the right track, the development's on the right track because it keeps sending guys to the NBA that we didn't think were going to go to the NBA. And now it's time to just get back to two years ago basically before the Oral Roberts game, which pretty much ruined everything and can get back on the winning train.
0: Yeah. No, I think that, you know, J- John Rothstein did put out like a, an I early
1: stand that bro. I need to, i meant to bring that up. I don't I said, understand John a...
0: did put out like a prediction today. Oh. He does have Ohio state finishing 10th in the big 10. I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't think see that... that I know last year, we also were like, Oh, Ohio state will be okay. They'll be fifth or sixth. They ended up, you know, like That's 13th fair. or whatever. So been wrong That's before fair. could absolutely be wrong. I don't think this team is going to finish tenth in the Big Ten. I don't think that Bruce Thornton is going to let that happen. Like, I remember early in the season, and actually, no, it wasn't early. It was during that terrible stretch of losing fourteen out of fifteen. Like, man, Bruce Thornton was like the guy that was almost always at the interview table. Like, I shouldn't say taking the the the, the shots and stuff from people because people weren't super critical of him. He was playing hard. He was doing as much as he could. But man, he said several times, like, I don't ever want to feel like this again. I don't ever like. This is not going to happen again. I will not let this happen again. And people took that as like, he doesn't want this to happen again. He must be, you know, he wants to go somewhere else where he's not going to lose. Yeah, but like,
1: I did like the that. People of like, oh, he's leaving.
0: No, the people in the room. No, the people in the room took that as like, <laughs> the people in the room that were talking to him definitely understood that he meant like, in the summer when they're working out, like he's he's not going to forget what it felt like to be that low. He's yeah. not going to forget what it felt like to be a loser for that long. So I think that Bruce Thornton is going to have an absolutely bonkers season. I think he's going to be like minimum. I think you're, he's going to be like second or third all big 10 this season. Maybe about him being first yeah. team, all big 10. So yeah, maybe even higher. I would say like a second team, all big 10 or third team, all big 10, like minimum. I think he's going to have a fantastic season just from his comments during the losing streak. Like, the like, just like you could tell, like man, he was just like devastated because he's doing literally everything he can to win games, and he he can't. You know, one player doesn't do it all. You need everybody to yeah. be putting in that same effort. So I think he's gonna have a bon- bonker season, and just just him alone, I think, will make them better than tenth in the Big Ten. So I don't, John Don Rostein, but there are people that do think, hey, this is a bad team last year. You're bringing back those same core pieces; they'll probably be bad again.
1: Well, and and there's some logic too hey, look, you sucked last year. All you did was lose Justice Suing, who as much shit as he took was probably the second best player on the team, and the best player on the team, and Brayson's the best offensive player on the team. I do con- I do see the people that say, like, well, they were better when he was on the bench. I don't know if they're necessarily better. They played a little better in defense. I don't know. It was kind of weird, to be honest. We'll figure it out this year, I guess. But when you lose that and you were 16-19, I do understand the people that say, like, yeah, there's no reason that they're going to be better. However, I think the people that have watched this team, like not everybody watched Ohio State every single game, like we did, and like, you know, if the fans did, you saw the progression of Roddy Gale. You saw Felix, by the way, Felix Arpar is yoked. So that's good. Yeah. Um, he yeah, put yeah, on he, everyone he, says he all he needs to do is pick. put on the weight. He did. That mission accomplished. The weight has been put on. So he's good there. Um, and you know, we watched Scotty Middleton and Tayson. I I think Tayson Chapman is incredibly underrated. I saw, um, shout out to Boilers in the stands, let's say a podcast, like a Purdue podcast, they previewed the Big Ten and they talked about high. they were like they were high on Taysom Chapman. I'm very high on Taysom Chapman as well. I think he's going to be phenomenal quick. So I think that's going to help them. And I, I think I'm higher on the transfers than a lot of people are. You know, Jameson Battle objectively had a struggle of a season last year, but he was on the worst team in the Big Ten. He was struggled with some injuries. I think we'll see – Two years ago, Jameson Battleson battle more than we'll see last year, Jameson Battle. And two years ago, Jameson Battle was an 18 points a game kind of guy. So that's kind of what I hope we I, see. I,
0: I just, I also think you're going to get kind of a different, I, I think the mindset and the attitude of this team is going to be not just the players, but the program itself that you see on social media, the way that it's going to present itself going into the season, I think is going to be a little more under the radar this season, like, last season, Justin, I know you weren't at the shop, but I think they were on, it was on Twitter too. Like the funny promo videos that this team kind of does every season where last year they had like the freshmen doing like the, the tour around the building, you know, like Key's giving them all the tour. They do, they cut some funny promo videos. Um, you know, the one where they had Chris Holtman in the Jersey a couple years ago, like the creative team in past seasons has been very like active in the summer and stuff, um, kind of toying around, having fun and doing like, uh, videos during workouts and stuff to like get people amped up, not much activity on their social media, not much of anything. No, it's it's a very, more it's very much like a heads down. Like we were bad. We were really bad last year. We have improvements to make. So it's, it seems like it's more heads down. They're just going to work. And it's kind of a quiet summer because there's not really time for the rah, rah, um, having fun goofing around online when you were the 13th best team in the big 10. Um, I I listened to Adam Jardy's, uh, podcast weekly when he puts us out, he kind of said the same thing was, I don't expect to see a whole lot of stuff from the team publicly. As we get closer to the season, the attitude definitely seems more of like head down. We have plenty to work on. We're just going to let the results on the court speak for itself and keep moving forward. And I think that's where you want to be too. I think that I've always thought that like, You you don't necessarily want to have like a a preseason ranking on your back to have teams gunning for you. I've always thought that if you're good enough to get into the top 25, you'll end up in the top 25. So I think it's kind of better to be also kind of lower on the radar. Um, You win some games quietly, and you'll end up where you need to be.
1: Yeah, and also just to put a bow on this and we can get to the interview. Looking at the pictures from their their practices and stuff, Bruce Thornton also got bigger, which is crazy to say because he's already a train, but – I, he's his, and that's big because his big thing is like finishing kind of in traffic and through physicality. I think they're going to be just fine. I think, I think that my preseason prediction, we just did it, you know, two episodes ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. I had them at fourth. So, all right. So well, a, a half lot half of half, question marks in the Big Ten. That's also, that's big. a
0: half hour of Ohio State talk. Um, our plan was to do about five minutes and jump into the interview. So, you get kind of a full bonus episode right there just in Ohio State and uh, kind of the outlook of that team as we creep closer to the fall, but we'll go ahead and jump into our interview here with Andrew Zolden, the host of the Inside TVT podcast, also the co-host of Drive the Lane with friend of the pod, Joey Lane. Forgot to mention that earlier, talked to Andrew about a few specific teams, kind of the makeup of TVT and why you as a fan, if you are near one of the host sites, you should absolutely drive and go watch TVT in person. So without further ado, here's our interview with Mr. Andrew Zolden. All right, we are here today with Andrew Zolden, the the host of Inside TBT, the official podcast of the basketball tournament, as well as the co-host of the Drive the Lane podcast, which he does with another friend of the pod here, Joey Lane. So, Andrew, thank you for uh, taking time out of your Wednesday to talk to us for a little bit.
3: Oh, absolutely. I am always excited to talk TBT and even more excited to talk TBT when it overlaps with some Ohio State Buckeye content. So, I mean, that's why I'm here.
0: And you're just laying it up right for the first question. So, (laughs) since this is an Ohio State podcast slash Big Ten podcast, we kind of tailor that to whatever fits our – If somebody accuses us of being an Ohio State podcast, we say, no, we're a Big Ten podcast and vice versa. Because this is an Ohio State and a Big Ten podcast, we'll get to Carmen's crew in a second. But we do have to talk about the reigning champs first. They should get respect. They should get their due. And that is Blue Collar U, the Buffalo alumni team. For those folks that didn't watch last summer – uh, Blue Collar U is the Buffalo alumni team, basically from me and Justin's like college years. Like Players are from like the 2014 to 2019, really good Buffalo teams. You got C.J. Massenburg, you got uh, Nick Perkins, a few other guys. But Andrew, more than just watching them play, I guess, what was your experience with them last year being closer to TBT than we were? Are they an easy group to root for? Um, do you think maybe they were a little better because they have that cohesion of of playing, not just for the same program, but playing for the same program at the exact same time. They were all teammates.
3: Yeah, so I think there's a combination of a bunch of things of why this team's so good. First off, it's worth noting, two years ago was their first year in TBT, and they made it to the semifinals. They lost in the semifinals, and then they followed that up the next year by winning the championship, like you mentioned. But they're actually undefeated 9-0. The only game they lost in the semifinals, Wes Clark who's their leading scorer and you know kind of tied with CJ Massenburg and Nick Perkins as the best player. He did not play in that semifinal game because he got injured. So they're 9 and 0, never lost with their core and their core is all guys who have played at high levels, you know, to an extent. CJ Massenburg's played in the G League, Nick Perkins has played, you know, he's playing in Summer League right now. Like all these guys not only have they played together, but they also have played at the highest level you know, besides the NBA. And what's really cool is you mentioned it. These guys do have experience playing together. You know, it's for the most part, the team that was together in college, the team that upset DeAndre Ayton in Arizona, the team that was ranked the whole following year after that, the team that, you know, all played for Nate Oates and has that hard hat mentality. And and Nate Oates is at a lot of the games and still talks to a lot of the guys. And, you know, last year they played for, for something bigger than basketball they played for you know the victims of the buffalo supermarket shooting that happened you know probably 15 months ago now so last year they had that behind them too and they're really just they're a really 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 good team and everything is working in their favor experience skills you know chemistry everything has worked for them we we talk about it internally in TBT like is this blue collar you team the best team to ever play in TBT would they beat the overseas elite teams that, that won you know, cool. four championships in a row? Would they beat the Carmen's crew team that you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the 2019 team that won? Would they beat you know, the best year of Jim or Fredette? And I personally think the answer is yes. I think this is the best team that's ever been assembled in TBT. I'm not going to go out and say 100% they're repeating this year, but I would honestly be shocked if they're not playing in the, in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really cool for me to see them kind of get this national acclaim because I went to Kent State from 14 to 19, and I worked in the athletic program and specifically the basketball team. So I saw these guys up close and personal. I always say C.J. Masterberg is truly one of the best basketball players I've ever seen live. He's incredible. So it's been, it's been really cool to kind of see them take somewhat of a national stage because as good as those Buffalo teams were – you know, as you said, they did beat Arizona in the tournament. So they got a little bit of claim there, but I don't think people realized how fun Buffalo truly was in those with the CJ Masterberg, Nick Perkins, Jeremy Harris kind of era. Is that kind of an appeal to you about TBT? Because, you know, we saw, I think it was two years ago with Mike Dom kind of getting back into the national spotlight, obviously for debt, but for debt was, he had his, he obviously was very famous in college. But some of these teams that you might not really get to see him too much when they're in college, but they're still incredibly talented. Now TBT is kind of giving them a little bit of a way to elevate that and be on ESPN again. Now people are getting kind of re-familiarized with these guys in a little bit of a sense. Yeah, so I think
3: most of the really, really good teams were really, really good in college. And I, I know that sounds stupid and sounds obvious. And there's the outliers. You know, For example, the North Texas alumni team, Bleed Green, you know, they didn't make any crazy March Madness run. They didn't go the Final Four like Wichita State, the Aftershocks. They didn't, you know, make it to the Sweet 16 after beating number one pick DeAndre Ayton. So they're kind of the outlier there where they're just, you know, good dudes and maybe didn't get enough attention and are really skilled high-level players. But, you know, Blue Collar you, like we've been talking about, and the Aftershocks, the Wichita State team, they, they were yeah. really, really, really good college teams. Mike Dom was really, really, really good in college. It's not guys that are just, you know, popping up out of nowhere. So what's really cool is you you go down memory lane with these teams. Yes, you get an occasional, oh, wow, I'm pretty surprised that this team is good. But like Buffalo, people might be surprised, but then you look and you're like, oh, wait, they actually were really good in college. This doesn't surprise me. Wes Clark was at Missouri, you know, a, a high D1 power five school and then transferred to Buffalo to play for his high school coach. Nate Oates. You know, Connor Fran camp started at Kansas, went to Wichita Wichita State to get more time. You know, they were a Final Four team. So these, these players and these teams, they were really, really, really good college teams. Yes, there are outliers, but you know, nine times out of ten, these teams and these players that are are good in TBT, you've heard of before. And that's what makes it super appealing and super fun. And then You know, you got the guys like Marcus Keene who didn't necessarily have a huge name in college, but he did lead the the NCAA in scoring his senior year. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I remember Marcus Keene. I remember that. I would be surprised if like a Central Michigan team where Marcus Keene played, if a Central Michigan team came around that wasn't a Cinderella team that didn't make noise, and then all of a sudden they were really good making it to the Elite Eight or Final Four, that would shock me. You know, even VCU, Ram Nation – Is is a team. They're an alumni team. They were in it for a while and now they're back. Like they've had success in March Madness. They've had success in college basketball. So all these teams are established and good programs and good players. Eventually, I'm sure there will be a team that just kind of comes through and shocks everyone. Blue Collar U kind of gives off that vibe. But then, like we talked about, you know, you you mentioned that you do remember watching them when you were at Kent State. You do remember, you know, CJ Massenberg. So those guys were really good in college and it's continued on.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I also remember Marcus Keane dropping forty four in Kent State in a <laughs> conference tournament game. However, Kent State did win that game; it was a three overtime game, and he. Uh, so I, I do. It's not quite PTSD because we won, but he was a, he was the definition of just a bucket in college. So it's been fun to watch him kind of, you know, play, uh, in the TBT as well. A lot of these, a lot of these memories. Just watch Mac basketball. That's my P, that's my uh, that's my PSA for the day. Um, and so, kind of moving into our next question. And this is a little bit of a maybe just look at overseas elite since they won four times. Have they won? What is, what is their number? Yeah, they won four in a row. Yeah, so maybe just look at this, the overseas elite for the answer to this question. But what do you think is kind of the best makeup of a TBT team? Obviously, you've seen Carmen's crew win, which was almost strictly an alumni team outside of like your Jeff Gibbs. You've seen overseas elite, which is more of like a collection of overseas talent, obviously, as the name entails. What do you kind of see? Do you kind of like a shorter bench, a long bench? Kind of how do you think? What, what do you think makes up the best team in TBT? You need a
3: combination of guys who have played together. And then if you're adding anyone that didn't play with that core, then they need to be guys who can fit in anywhere. And what I mean by that is, you know, Tyrese Rice, who was on the Bayheim's Army team when they won the championship, he could play on any team in the country and he would be the facilitator and be able to get buckets. And no matter who was on the team, you know, there would be a spot for him. In some instances, that's not the case. And you look at that overseas elite team, you know, the first year they won, the the competition was good in TBT, but it's gotten better every year. So they're the unique situation where, yes, they didn't have college years together, but by the second, third, fourth TBT championship, they had played together a long time. So that was a unique scenario where they used TBT, To build chemistry. So you look at the teams that have been successful, it's guys who have played together, and then the other factors on the team are guys that can fit in anywhere. Jeff Gibbs is a perfect example of that. There's not a single team, probably in the world, NBA included, maybe NBA, where Jeff Gibbs wouldn't fit in as like either a starting four or backup undersized four, three, you know, get in there, rebound, play hard, play your role. Like that's the textbook example of a guy that fits in no matter where you are. So if you're going to have guys that didn't play together in college, they need to be guys that can fit in and play their role anywhere. And I know we're going to get to it, but there's a few alumni teams that are first year alumni teams this year that are coming in with what we think is that model that sometimes takes teams two, three years to figure out, they're coming in year one with it, and I know we'll get
0: to that. Andrew, do you think that um, having a group together that were teammates, just the way that I see it, maybe helps the group play a little bit above what the sum of its parts are? By that, I guess I mean like the Buffalo team. You mentioned like the North Texas team. Like they were teammates. I feel like there were other maybe teams in TBT in the past several years that had more pure talent. But you kind of are just – some of those teams, you're throwing guys together that played for different programs, that played at different schools that maybe had never played together until TBT. Maybe they're more talented than like a North Texas or Buffalo. But because those guys have played together, do you think maybe that kind of helps them play a little bit above even what their talent level is because they're just like ready to go?
3: Yeah, 100%. Anytime you know like how your guys are going to cut, how a guy's going to be able to start the break when he gets a rebound – how a guy's going to be able to play help defense. And maybe you can afford to, you know, take a possession off, get beat, because you know you got Nick Perkins down there to, to block a shot. I, I always think that's going to help. Usually you see talent, you know, really come out at the end, and that's happened with, you know, some of these teams like Heartfire, formerly Team 23, teams like that, the L.A. Cheaters, where those guys don't necessarily play together, but they just show up and they all can hoop and they make deep runs. Even that Beheim's Army team that won, some of those guys played together. But I mentioned the the Tyrese Rices. So, yes, that can make a huge difference. But like I mentioned at the beginning, like Wes Clark, Nick Perkins, C.J. Massenburg, um, Jeremy Evans, all those guys, Blake Hamilton, like they're really, really, really good. If these yeah. guys were wearing, you know, an Ohio State jersey, we'd probably look at them as one of the best basketball teams in college basketball history. You know, like these guys are just as good – as these Ohio State guys, for sure, especially now because they're they're younger than them. But, like, this team was ranked in college, like I mentioned earlier. But I do think that a lot of TBT teams show up, and it's just a random collection of guys. For example, in the bubble, the money team, which is Floyd Mayweather's team, this was now all back in 2020, they kind of showed up with just a bunch of random dudes. Some of them hadn't really played together. They had NBA experience. And they lost their first game that they played to a team, the Marshall alumni, that was, like you're saying, experienced playing together. But then the money team learned from that. And, and they came went out back. and found guys who, yes, they hadn't played together, but they fit into roles where it's needed. Jordan Crawford is just the ultimate point guard. He's on the money team. He's from Cincinnati, you know, well known player across the world. He fits in anywhere. They added Trevor Booker, you know, former NBA player, veteran. He, he's the textbook guy like anyone would want Trevor Booker on their team. So teams learn quickly, and that's why you see, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think with the exception of obviously the Notre Dame team in year one and the first year overseas elite played, you know, first-year teams in TBT don't win. They usually run into something, realize what they could have done differently and done better, and retool for the next year. Blue-collar U, maybe they would have won if Wes Clark was healthy, in the game that he missed and they lost, but even them, they lost in the semifinals. They said, we know what, what we have to do. We know what it takes. And they came back even better with relatively the same team, but they had a full-on training camp. And then they came in and and basically dominated their, their way to a TBT championship. So a hundred percent, I agree with you that you can have an upper hand for sure. If you know you have experience playing together, but most teams aren't. And I know that the goal is to win it all, but, you know, North Texas last year, they won two games. They were definitely excited about that. North Texas alumni bleed green. But most teams go through a little adversity, realize what it takes to win and compete in this tournament, and then come back stronger the next year, which is what Ohio State did when they ultimately won in 2019. It's what the Marquette team did when they ultimately won in the bubble. So, you know, you kind of just you, – you, you need to get a year under your belt. However – There are some new teams this year, the Kansas alumni team, which is a revamped version of a team, and the Louisville alumni team, which is a host team this year. Those teams both come in with like really, really, really good rosters. That is a combination of guys who have played together before and high level players. And if there was any team that would win TBT in their first year playing, it's going to be this Louisville team, the Ville or the Kansas team, Mass Street, and I know we'll, we'll touch on those teams later. But those are teams that are coming in with a combination of exactly what we're talking about, which is really good role players that didn't go to their alumni schools, really, 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 really good players that did go to the alumni schools and happened to play
1: together. Yeah, I'm a I'm a personal big fan of that Louisville team. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be a
0: lot of fun to watch in this in this tournament. I agree. We, we promised some Carmen's crew, and you, you kind of struck a nerve there because the money team, the last time yeah, – they beat Carmen's crew, didn't they? The, the last time Carmen's crew was in TBT, it was actually <sighs> over here on campus at the Cavelli Center, and uh, they lost to the money team. And I, I was there, and Jeff Ledbetter, I believe he went to Wyoming. Man, he looked like an asshole, respectfully. But he – they Disrespectfully. He, they beat Carmen's crew. Jeff Ledbetter is walking around the arena, waving goodbye to the fans. And Carmen's crew has not been heard from since then. It's been two years. They come back this year. They've got a new new roster, mixed up roster. Some of the older guys that played on that championship team slash the upset by the money team. Either those guys are retired or they might also just be like, man, I'm too old to be doing this shit in my downtime in the summer. Like Some of those guys are in their mid-30s at this point. Um, They've got kind of a, a blended roster, though, Andrew. They've got they've got some Holtman guys. They've still got William Buford. They've got a couple of non-Buckeyes. They've got Jalen Tate. They've got um, I believe they got John Best. Best, yeah. I guess in general, what are your thoughts on this roster, the blend of the Buckeyes and the non-Buckeyes, and I guess the only older guy they're really carrying over is Buford.
3: Yeah. So first, I got to touch on what you said about Ledbetter as an Ohio State fan. I I loved that moment. I thought that was so great. Waving goodbye to the fans. I mean, I think it just is a testament to how big TBT is now that, you know, those guys felt like it was a true road game to the point that they felt the need to, you know, wave off the fans and really act tough and really act cocky. And I think that's really cool. I mean, in random other leagues that aren't in their 10th year or whatever it is, you're probably not getting that kind of – you know, fun and attention. So, yeah, that was kind of a, a dick move. But to 99% <laughs> of the world that, you know, is not Ohio State fans. And I guess 999 because I am an Ohio State pa- fan. And I fucking love
0: that from Ledbetter. And because you know, he knew. Of- he could tell because people were flipping him off right back. Like the, yeah. the people that go to TBT, they don't treat it like it's just like a casual, I'm going to exactly. go watch some basketball. It's it's to, to fans of that host site, It's it really is. And we're going to talk about that later. It really is going to watch their heroes, their their school play, and to have this random Wyoming jackass flipping you <laughs> off. Yeah, people didn't just treat that like a casual thing. It was, and it is really cool. You're right. That's what makes yeah. TV more than just a casual thing. Ledbetter,
3: I, I just confirmed it. I thought so. He went to Idaho, but honestly, oh. Idaho, Wyoming. That that might be the same school in same state.
1: So. Yeah. So you I don't need to show me proof. proof that's a different school first. I mean, <laughs> I
3: but this, this Carmen's crew team, this, this is kind of what I've been saying. So the, the two returning guys are Coach Sully, Jared Sullinger, and Buford, the 2019 MVP. So that's a great place to start. And the rest of the guys were on teams, and you're Ohio State fans, we probably all did the same thing, on teams that was said, oh man, this team's not going to go anywhere this year. This is a <laughs> rebuild year for Ohio State. This is a rebuild year for Coach Holtman. And besides last year, that's never been the case. All these guys, Kyle Young, C.J. Jackson, Andre Wesson, Caleb Wesson, Keyshawn Woods, they're all guys where it was like, hey, this team's not going to be good in the Big Ten. And then they were top three in the Big Ten, you know, I think three to seven seeds in the tournament. Yeah, they don't have Dwayne Washington. Yeah, they don't have Bates Diop. Yeah, they don't have E.J. Liddell. But it's all guys and and players who – have been told before that they're not going to be that good and what did they do turn around and be really good. I mean Kyle Young and Trevor Thompson as your two starter, backup, whatever you want to call it. I mean who, who's out rebounding? Who's who's out, you know, hustling Kyle Young? Who's who's stopping Trevor Thompson? Ohio State fans may remember Trevor Thompson and be like, "Why is that guy a big name?" But he's been incredible the last few years that he's played on the Dayton team. Like that's a huge huge spot right there. And then you got the Wesson brothers. Who there's probably not anyone in the whole tournament that's played together more than the the Wesson brothers. Considering they've been playing together probably since they were whatever the age difference is, three or two. You know, you got other role players as well: Javon Bess, Scott Thomas from the. He's played with Mid American Unity. Went to Bowling Green. You mentioned I mentioned Javon Bess. I mean this this team is not the most exciting team. But if you know and you watch Ohio State basketball, like, you know, your listeners, your fans, us, our followers do, you can understand why this team has potential. I mean, the pick and roll between C.J. Jackson and Caleb Wesson, it's something that we've seen before, and it's something that we know can be effective. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably extra excited about this team because I'm an Ohio State fan and have an Ohio State podcast. Maybe a little too excited, but, and I'm, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this team is as good as the 2019 that had Buford, Kraft, Diebler, Lighty. Uh, the next year the the, the team had Kufis. you know, Sully's played before. I'm not going to tell you it's as good as that team, but I think it might be deeper than that team. When you got Kyle Young, maybe coming off the bench and, you know, Buford didn't play professional basketball this year, I believe, and he's using TBT as kind of like a hey, I still got it. I want to play more, you know, professional basketball. And anytime you got a guy who's trying to prove something and a guy as good as William Buford trying to prove something, it wouldn't surprise me if he's you know on the all tournament team when it's all said and done this year. I, I'm not gonna say we're gonna get Ohio State versus Blue Collar U in the championship, even though I would fucking love that. That would be so fun and so cool. But I do think this is a team that You know, whatever they do in this tournament, whether that's lose round one or make it to, you know, the semifinals is not going to shock me.
1: Um, Yeah. And I think going just I didn't I didn't get to say it at the time, but just going back to what you were talking about with, you know, Ledbetter and stuff. I do think it's it's fun to watch. Also, if you remember when uh, when Carmen's crew won the championship, uh, William Buford got into a fight, you know, in the in the game with. One of the overseas – or who's overseas – was it DJ Kennedy? Was that their best player? Yeah, Kennedy. Yeah. You know, they're going back and forth and stuff. And it's it's funny to see, like, I remember watching this from the start and you watch – you know, you're watching kind of how how it gets going. And the Carmen's crew is – they're not quite original. They started, I believe, the second year. But, you know, they're one of these kind of original teams and it's, it's just been really cool to see the dynamic of the team kind of change. And, and now we're getting into the second – it's kind of the second second wave of guys, I guess you'd say. Um, you well, mentioned I Trevor. Too. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't mean to cut you off, but no, I wouldn't I be surprised if next year or
3: the year after that, you know, Dwayne Washington's on this Carmens team. Yeah. I would love him to be in the NBA as long as possible, but there's a lot of Dwayne Washingtons out there. There's a lot of players that provide exactly what he does and maybe a little better, and I think he's awesome. I, I don't know how long you guys have been following Drive the Lane, but – He's like my favorite Buckeye since we started drive the lane. I love him. I hope he's in the NBA forever, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's on one of these teams. Bates Diop just signed with the Suns. So I guess there's a little bit smaller of a chance that he ends up on the Carmen's crew team, you know, going into last year, it might've seemed like it, but this is the beginning of the, of the Holtman era of Carmen's crew, which is pretty exciting. The only Negative is what we've seen with this Ohio State team since Chris Holtman got there with the exception of the to Bates-Diop year is like they literally can beat anyone in the country on any given day. But we've also seen last year that they could lose to anyone in the country on any given day. I think this specific team is more closer to the Bates-Diop Ohio State team where, you know, they were favored in most games, but – You know, just like the Ohio State teams we've seen the last few years where there hasn't been a true, like, unbelievable top 10 draft pick. You know, and and this is the case with nine out of the 14 Big Ten teams or however many it is now with USC and UCLA. Like, they could beat anyone any given day, and they could lose anyone any given day. And that's what this Carmen's Crew team really feels like.
1: And, And, yeah, Dwayne Washington gives me heavy, like, William Buford in 2028 or 2026 kind of vibes, you know, just comes into the TVT and just lights it up. And people kind of remember just simply how good he was. Um, So you mentioned Kyle Young and we obviously want him to play as much as he possibly can in this tournament. Does that mean we have to get him a football helmet? How do we prevent Kyle Young from getting hit in the head so that he can play all these games?
3: It, It would be interesting if he wore one of those things that the soccer players wear. (laughs) <laughs> those like weird little wraps around their head, which I only just learned about because, you know, we have the soccer tournament in TBT now too, TST. So, I mean, maybe he wears one of those things. But I, I think he's been away from basketball for, you know, a little over a year now. I, he's fully recovered from all that. He's he's in great shape. He's actually worked out with Joey. Joey says he looks great. So, nice. you know. The, I, sources you got, Sources
1: confirmed. You sources you got confirmed. Got
3: <laughs> Is I haven't heard strength now he he does have dad strength, and I haven't that's heard right. that he's looking to change his mind about being a professional basketball player. But this is what happens in TBT. Guys play, they win three games, they remember what it's like to be you know in a in a locker room, and they're like, "Oh shit, I want to play professional basketball. I want to do whatever I can to be a basketball player." I I have no indication or no sources or nothing's telling me that that's going to happen with Kyle Young, but you know. Who wouldn't want to have Kyle Young on their team? I, I, Ohio State slash Carmen's crew needs to start like auctioning off their, you know, glue guys, Kyle Young, Jeff Gibbs. I mean, they just find like the perfect, <laughs> the perfect role players that would fit in on any team. So I wouldn't be surprised if if Kyle par- parlays this into, into something bigger if he plays a lot. And I, I don't think he's on this team to just like goof around. Cause that's not the kind of guy he is like, He's on this team to contribute and play, and I, you guys just mentioned it. I think it would be so awesome if he played great. You know he's going to throw down some crazy dunk. Is sure yeah. he's going to be ripped. He's going to have one ear left by the end of the game. <laughs> like this is this is the ultimate ultimate TBT guy
1: yeah. is Kyle Young. Before the tournament even starts, he's you know we had to change his jersey. It's like Kyle, good lord, we're practiced. Sure. Chill. Um, I also. You know, speaking of sources confirmed, I just want to ask a quick question. Aaron Kraft said he's retired from basketball. He obviously lied about that because we saw him playing at the Kingdom Summer League. Can you confirm that Aaron Kraft is returning to TBT?
3: He, he is not playing in this TBT.
0: <laughs> if he is, it's
3: unbeknownst to me and I, with the exception of two other people in TBT, get the news as fast as anyone. So if he is playing in TBT, I don't know about it and you guys don't know about it. <laughs> However, I don't think I don't think these little leagues are necessarily unretiring by any chance. But he
1: did look good in, he in that little great. clip. I, it, was, it was hilarious watching like it, the clip hit like like Legion hoops and stuff. They're like doctor turned basketball players. It's like, well, it's kind of flip, but sure, whatever. Yeah, <laughs>
3: I'll, I'll take a little blame for that. I run the the TBT socials as well, and I definitely was was. Hanging that out, trying to, <laughs> trying to
0: stir something up. Justin, uh, you got, it, Justin, it's fun. Justin was out here gunning for the scoop of a lifetime. He's like, I know it's a 2% chance he says yes, but if we get the scoop. <laughs> hey, worst case, you, you got to ask the questions. You know what I'm saying? Um, Andrew, also, just to double check about uh, Trevor, we know that Trevor Thompson just – he signed a, a new contract over in Greece, so he just got the bag. Um, he's still going to play despite that new contract, right? There's no backing out because of that, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, as far as I've heard, he's still going to play. A lot of these guys that sign contracts, the news comes out today. But, you know, just like the NBA, you don't start playing the next day. There are some leagues like Puerto Rico and uh, uh, Canada and some other leagues that are going, you know, at this time of year. But to my knowledge, Greece is not one of those. I think Trevor Thompson is still expected to play. And as I mentioned earlier, I expect him to be a big, big piece of their team.
0: All right. So that was your Carmen's crew uh, fodder for the week. We're going to scoot onward now. Uh, Andrew, give me, first of all, give me a non-alumni team. So not a specific school-based team that you think people should turn their TVs on and make sure to watch this summer.
3: All right. I'll give you two. How's that sound?
0: Go for it. Double the fun.
3: (laughs) All right. One of them, sideline cancer real quick on them. They're a staple in TBT by the time the, the, or when the ball tips off this year for them, they will be the only team to have played in every single TBT, which is very cool. Eberline drive. Another team that's done that. And that's not who I'm naming, but I'm just saying Eberline drive is another team that's done that. However, they couldn't play in the bubble. They were expected to, but Sideline Cancer has four main guys that they're going to lean on Dominique Jones, Tyrese Rice, who I've mentioned 10 times so far in this, Marcus Keene, and Eugene German. All right, those are four guys that are really good. Eugene German, honestly, might be on the Suns by the time this interview's over. He keeps flirting with them, but as of right now, he's locked in for Sideline Cancer. So that's one team. Another team, Team Heartfire. They're in the, the Wichita regional. I haven't been using the regional, so I apologize. Sideline is in the West Virginia regional. Team Heartfire, formerly Team 23, merged with Heartfire Missions. They have a ton of high-quality players. I'm just going to give you two names right now. Craig Sword, who's a G League legend. And even more than that, Raphael Putney is the ultimate G League legend, has the most blocks in G League history. Seth Greenberg calls him the Kevin Durant of G League. I, I don't 100% agree with that. He's not as good of a <laughs> of a shooter, but they they do That's look awesome. they have very similar body types similar to uh Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas if you guys are familiar with that movie. If not, look it up and you'll you'll have a laugh after that. But Heartfire and Sideline Cancer two non-alumni teams that, you know, most people are going to expect that they can make some noise. There's some really good alumni teams, but those are the two teams that you know, non-alumni have, have a real good shot of winning the 1 million.
0: Andrew, you are, you're, you're, you're just, you're singing the praises of basically our Carmen's crew is our 1A and sideline cancer is basically our 1B team here. We talk about sideline cancer every summer um, because we are personally biased towards them. Um, I'm sure you've met Kathy Griffith, right? I have many times. She is an absolute sweetheart. Uh, my very quick tangent about sideline cancer is when the, the bubble summer, I watched them and I was like, this is a really cool cause. They seem like a bunch of guys that really enjoy playing together, even though they're all from different programs, backgrounds, whatnot. And I ordered a t-shirt and it never came in the mail. So I emailed <laughs> sideline cancer and I was like, what, the, what is going on? I paid $35 for this t-shirt. And I never got it. Kathy Griffith calls me on the phone and she apologizes and she keeps me on the phone for about 20 minutes and then she's like i'm putting it in the mail for you right now i get it a week later and she put three t-shirts a long sleeve warm-up and i'm not even kidding probably 80 wristbands in there and now uh twice a year i get an email from kathy griffith once at the beginning of tbt because she's excited for tbt and then usually around christmas i get a merry christmas uh email from kathy griffith so She's an absolute sweetheart and she loves hoops. And when they win, she usually moves the bracket up. And for people that don't know about them, raising raising money, raising awareness for pancreatic cancer because her husband, I believe, passed away from it. But they are an awesome, awesome, awesome cause. She's an awesome lady. So when you said them, I think Justin and I were both kind of like chuckling because we always, we always promote sideline cancer. Um, we're all about the sideline cancer propaganda here. Yeah.
3: Sideline Cancer has a funny way of making people who should be biased or unbiased, you know, bias, like myself. Yeah. Like I, I want I want the best possible tournament possible. I want every game to come down to next basket wins in the Elam ending. But Sideline Cancer is just one of those teams that makes it hard to to not pick favorites. And I'm not sitting here saying I'm doing that, but you you nailed it with Kathy. She's, she's fantastic. She's an awesome – you know, not just human being, but ambassador for TBT as a whole. We're, we're lucky to have sideline cancer and, and, and Kathy in the tournament. And, you know, really all these teams do a great job of representing TBT, not just during the three weeks of the tournament, but 365 days a year. And that's what's so great about TBT is everyone involved is, is really bought in.
1: And and I love Andrew. I love push oh, just so real quick. quick I do love put I. Well, I just have to push my own propaganda here uh, because Eugene German is a Northern Illinois graduate, another certified Mac Hooper. How many schools uh, did you guys go to? I'm I'm having trouble following. I just like the Mac. I just like no. the Mac outside of Akron. It's, it's always it's till I die. It's fuck Akron. But everybody else, I do enjoy uh, supporting and everything. So
0: Justin, yeah, Justin kind of claims the entire Mac. Like if uh, <laughs> if, if Eastern, like when Amani Bates. Got drafted. He well, was like, well, well, well. I don't know about He was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's going to get until I die, brother. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, you gave us an, a non-alumni team. I am a Cavs fan, though, so I guess I kind of have to claim them. I'm going to mute Justin in a second. Andrew, <laughs> you gave us a non-alumni <laughs> team. Give us at least one alumni team that you are excited to watch.
3: So I think there's two teams. I, I keep doing that. I apologize. But I think there's two teams that have really easy paths And it's just a matter of where teams decided they wanted to play this year and where teams registered and and how the cookie crumbled. And that's the Air Raiders who are hosting a regional in Lubbock, uh, the Texas Tech alumni. The the core of the team is guys from the 2019 runner-up national championship game for Texas Tech. The other team is Zip Them Up, both of the the Xavier alumni. Both of those teams have relatively easy paths. However, however – neither of those teams are hosting a quarterfinal. So I do think those teams of the host teams and of the alumni teams are the most likely to win their regional. However, I don't think those two teams are the most likely to win the quarterfinal because they would have to travel for those games. Xavier would have to travel to Dayton, zip them up to Red Scare, and the Air Raiders, Lubbock, would have to go to Louisville, which brings me to my – Final answer of alumni teams, which is the Louisville alumni team. There we go. (laughs) Everyone is fired up about this team. All right. Peyton Siva, Russ Smith, Kyle Curick, Earl Clark, Chinanu Anuaku. There's no way I said that right, but I think I was close. It sounded really good. (laughs) Um, Um, And now I'm blanking on the other guys. Wayne Blackshear, Shane Bahannon. Those are seven alumni right there. They got guys like Dylan Avare, who who didn't play a ton when he was at Louisville, but still Louisville alumni. And then they have two non-alumni that are going to be real good for them. Actually, three in Nick Mayo, Chris Dow, and, oh, man, I'm blanking on the third guy's name. But if you check out the roster, he's on there. He's Omar Pruitt, right? Omar Pruitt. Yeah, that's the third guy. Mayo – Pruitt and Dow. So that's what I was talking about earlier where they have guys who have played together who are also really, really good in college, literally one fucking national championship together. Okay. And then they got three non-alumni guys who can fit in in any team in the world, maybe with the exception of the NBA, like I've, I've said a few times. So that's the team that really has the legs to make it all the way in their first year. However, it's TBT and I'll be eating my words when they lose in round one. But I don't personally think that's going to happen. But it's a tournament. It's TBT. Anything can happen. I mean, if if you guys
1: aren't excited after this interview, I should quit my job. I I was excited for Louisville before this. Now I'm just, like, completely fired up. I It is funny, though, how fast time flies. Because I, uh, I thought this team was missing one person. And I thought that person was Luke Hancock. And I looked it up, and I realized he's 34 years old. So – uh, time is flying on me because I thought he was like in his mid twenties. Yeah, I thought he was at Louisville recently. He's, he's involved with the
3: team. He, no, that's cool. he's, he's a radio host in Louisville. He's not a active professional basketball player. I, I actually was w- was with him in Louisville. We did some some content there with Siva and Russ. Great dude. You know, I think he was the most outstanding player when they when they won the national championship. That's since been revoked, but. I don't care about that kind of stuff. They were the national champions. Yeah, I mean, we watched it happen. I don't know. (laughs) He will will be around. Uh, I think Montrezl Harrell's going to be around. I'm sure other guys will be around. So even if they're not playing in this, there's other Louisville legends that are going to be around. I I would personally drive to Cleveland, or he might be in New York by then, and pick up Donovan Mitchell and bring him to the Louisville games. But, you know, Anybody who's anyone that's involved with Louisville is going to be you know, involved with this tournament, which is really, really cool. You know, a rare scenario where a first-year team is also hosting in their first year, but, you know, they've earned it. They've put together a really, really fun and exciting roster, and, you know, they're hosting a quarterfinal as well if, if they get to that point. I actually am jumping on a, a Florida Twitter space here in a minute for the the Gatorverse team, you know. <laughs> That's a team that's in the Louisville Regional that has some serious interest in making sure that Louisville does not have a successful TBT. So while we're sitting here talking about it, there's teams across the country that are plotting the exact opposite.
0: Could Rick Pitino yeah, an appearance? People are-, mm-hmm. People are wondering.
1: Yeah, I think he's actually playing Rick Pitino. There we go. <laughs> that's the scoop. That's what we were looking for. It is. It is really cool when you see kind of like – I know, obviously, Chris Paul has been very involved. And, you know, he was like – I think he was courtside when Ohio State won because I remember, like, David Lighty, the first person he celebrated with was, like, Chris Paul. You know, who he was sitting next, you
3: know who he was sitting next to courtside? Let me see if you can name the two people. Yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Both former okay. Ohio State players.
1: Oh, maybe I could. Uh, well, Evan Turner was on the bench, so it wasn't him. Uh, give me Mike Conley. What? Oh, I'll give you was, more hints.
3: I'll give you more hints. One was Big Ten Player of the Year as voted by, you know, the country. The other was Big Ten Player of the Year in our hearts. That should give it away.
1: Oh, well, John Deebler is playing, and that's in my hearts. Um, I'm the biggest John Deebler guy I'll find, just tell Andrew. you. I'll just tell yeah, you. Yeah, I'm just, not going to get there. <laughs>
3: Chris Paul was sitting on the on court side with Mr. Joey Lane and Mr. kate Bates-The-Up. Oh, that makes um, sense. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, I didn't – yeah, I guess – well, I guess, yeah – I actually don't remember. I obviously remember seeing Joey there. I don't remember seeing Kata there at all, but that's awesome. to. That was kind of what I was getting at. It was It's cool seeing, like, Evan Turner, you know, guys that can't play, but they're still embracing, you know, their coaching, and guys that are in the NBA, like, you know, kind of being around it, and and it's it's been really fun. I know there will always, always be the should Dwayne Wade play for the Marquette team, and I know he's kind of, you know, mentioned it, so it's funny that it even gets that high. Um, so just – in general, you know, when you have kind of these we, – we mentioned it a little bit earlier. I know Connor's been there. I've never been able to make it, unfortunately, because I'm out in Cleveland, and I don't think it'll ever come to Cleveland. Um, what is kind of the fan experience like at these regional locations? It looks just fun as hell. It really does. The Dayton one looks fun as hell. The Columbus one looks fun as hell. I know they're going to be – really. like the Louisville one is going to be insane. You can just feel it because of that. It They're, they're hitting a perfect stride of – it's like the favorite players as the fans, plus Louisville stinks. So they're trying to look to a team that might actually give them something to look forward to. So that I know that atmosphere is going to be insane. Just kind of talk about the fan experience at some of these events.
3: Yeah. So the, the fan experience is incredible. I'm super excited because I, I'm actually getting to go to Lubbock or sorry, I'm going to Wichita and getting to experience, you know, the craziness in Wichita for the first time yeah. this year myself. I think they have like, seven of the top 10 most attended games in TBT history. And three of them are the top three, something crazy like that. But I got to tell you, Lubbock is, is going to be insane. Those Texas tech Red Raider, air Raider fans are nuts about their basketball. And, you know, I'm probably not giving them enough time or giving them enough shine, but they've put together a hell of a team as well. And they are going to be very good. And the fans are going to be absolutely crazy there. Every day that I wake up and realize I'm going to Wichita, I get like chills thinking about what I'm going to be missing in Lubbock. I think Lubbock is just going to be an absolute zoo in the best way possible. Um, I don't know what goes down in Lubbock besides basketball. I'm sure some TBT people will – Report back to me, but from from a basketball standpoint and United Supermarkets Arena, which is their actual home court, which is is pretty cool. It, it's going to be rocking there, and every every Texas Tech fan that goes to these Air Raider games, assuming they make a, a deep run, win you know two or three of the potential home games they could have, will be TBT fans for life after what they experience being at these games.
0: Yeah, Justin, one of my one of my top basketball just experiences period was back when the the Columbus Regional was actually at Capital University, which is a small private college kind of about 10 minutes south of Columbus and it was the Ohio State team versus the Dayton team. It was Carmen's Crew versus Red Scare. Andrew, I am assuming you were there, maybe not, but I was there. It, I was there. It, it was basically Dayton fans all sat on one side, Ohio State fans all sat on one side and it was I think Carmen's crew won by at least ten, so it ended up being not a super tight game. But you had them shouting "UD" and then back to the Ohio State fans screaming, um, "You know, go Bucks!" And the gym only f- fit maybe I don't know four hundred people, but it felt like a Friday night, like high school game That's the vibes I get to like big time rivals. School. And that was yeah, a lot of sick. the college games I've been to, that was one of the coolest experiences I've had just in basketball. Period.
3: Well, they might yeah, play in yeah. round two. Carmen's Crew and Red Scare. We were talking about that earlier, you know, one of our TBT meetings. Like, that, that's a big potential second-round matchup. It's the first time those teams have played in TBT since that matchup that you were talking about, which was, was back in 2019. So I, I don't know where you guys are for the summer, but if if it's Carmen's Crew versus Red Scare in the second round, definitely make your way out to the game. I, I'll, I'll say what's up, and, and we'll, we'll watch some good basketball together.
0: All right, Andrew. We appreciate you taking the time tonight. Uh, give us your Twitter and whatever other other stuff people can follow you at wherever you're putting stuff out. The Inside TBT account, your account. Give it to us.
3: Yep, I got three accounts for you to follow: at Andrew Zolden, which is my personal; at Inside TBT, which is of course the TBT podcast account; and you should be following at the tournament as well. And then at Drive the Lane Pod, which is of course mine and Joey's Ohio State podcast. Once TBT is over, we're going to jump back into all things Ohio State. Not to steal your guys' thunder at all. Maybe we can do a couple collab things this year. We should. But, but yeah, so that's where you can follow. And definitely follow Inside TBT for, you know, some behind-the-scenes TBT content all TBT long. I'm going to be in Dayton. I'm going to be, you know, in very close quarters with the Carmen's crew team, getting as much content from them as I can. Sully will probably be sick of me by the end of it. But,
0: you know, got to do what you got to do. All right, Andrew, we appreciate you. I know you got to go talk to some Gators. So you have a good rest of your night, and uh, we'll see you around this season. Absolutely. I'm like reliving
3: the the 2006 national championship between Ohio State and (laughs) Florida. Jeez. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you, guys.
0: thanks again to Andrew for joining us this week to talk about CBT Um, if you're listening get to the TV get to your laptop Um, if you have ESPN plus I believe that's where the first round of games are so definitely uh, check out the tournament this week and as the tournament gets a little deeper it won't be ESPN plus I think then they'll switch it to like ESPN ESPN 2 ESPN News ESPNU um, some of the more standard ones that we can all watch
1: yeah I mean Andrew hit it on the head when we talked to him but TBT is a lot of fun I'm all more excited for it this year than I was last year with uh, high state being back in it or Carmen's Crew being back in it. So uh, I believe also, I don't think Carmen's Crew plays any games in ESPN plus, I believe they start on ESPN too. could be wrong, but I believe that.
0: If you found us on social media or anywhere else, uh, make sure to go to Spotify, subscribe on Spotify, under the, under the, um, the land grant feed. So that uh, when we put out new episodes, you'll get uh, notifications every time.
1: And just to prove I'm an idiot, um, not only is their first game on ESPN+, Plus, all of the games will be on ESPN+, Plus if they get to the regional final. So definitely get ESPN+, Plus. it looks like that's pretty much where they're showing all the first kind of regional games, and then the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals will be on ESPN and ESPN2. And you can follow us on Twitter at BucketHitsLGPN. No underscore, which I say every time, but there's not an underscore.
0: All right, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at LeMans underscore Connor. That's L-E-M-O-N-S underscore connor if you made it this far we appreciate you for joining us this week hope everybody has a great weekend stay cool go box.